People like me keep going, no, no, please. I don't want it to be true. It doesn't matter what you want, Bruce. Nobody cares what you want, Bruce. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your hosts, Andrew Chang and Justin Goddard. Hello and welcome to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang and alongside me is my co-host Justin Goddard. And tonight we have a superb episode for you where Justin and a very special guest and I will be delivering you the Word Association episode. Uh, But as always, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms and even on YouTube by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. In addition, you can also find us as well as other amazing shows by looking up the Built-In Buffalo Podcasting Network. Let's break down some Bills-related news, but first, Justin, let's introduce our special guest. It is the one, the only, the almighty Smiter himself, Bruce Exclusive. How are you doing tonight? Dude, it's a party all the time. Just disco balls, dancers, the whole thing. I, if I was doing better, they'd lock me away. I think I was crazy. Well, Justin, how, how are you doing? How are you going to follow that one up? Uh, I'm, I'm having a party myself. I had a great day. Got yeah. to swing the wrenches again today. That's two weeks in a row, so I'm feeling good. That's good. And uh, Bruce, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Justin actually just got engaged yesterday. I did. That is... Well, congratulations, man. Thank well you. done. It's, yeah, big, big news. He he did it on uh, a hot air balloon, if I'm not mistaken. So did. that's that's huge. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have ever heard me tell the story, but, you know, I, I, I'm quite a romantic myself. Mm-hmm. You know, the way I the way I proposed to my wife is I looked at her one time when we were sitting next to each other. And I said, we should get married. Yeah. And that was it. Oh that was the whole thing. That's my engagement story. Just wanted to go ahead and just share how romantic I am. Everybody's right. got their different ways, right? Yeah, I anticipate if that day ever comes uh, for me, it will be very similar to yours, Bruce, but with a Ben and Jerry's pint somehow woven in there. <laughs> ben and Jerry's is romantic, right? Yeah. I mean, that's we all understand that. I think people intrinsically understand that Ben and Jerry's is romantic, so I think we're good. Yeah, it depends. Congratulations, on- Justin. That's awesome, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey, Justin, maybe he, maybe uh, Bruce can get you on the next musical. <laughs> maybe I sure hope so, Bruce. I got to tell you, man, it, when you were teasing that and and you kind of talked about how you love like your some of your favorite shows um, would sprinkle in the musical episode, and you were talking about in particular Scrubs, which is my all time favorite show. I got super jazzed up for that episode. And, bro, you delivered on all fronts. I, mm-hmm. I laughed. I cried. I listened to it again. Super job on that. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That was that was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a labor of love. It's something that I've been working on for, gosh, over a year off and on. I mean, it's not something you can really sit down because of all the other stuff that I've got going on in regards to the podcast. It's not really something you can just sit down and just say, okay, I'm going to take the next month of my life and write a musical. <laughs> so you kind of have to dabble here and dabble there. And as you get inspired for specific, uh, you know, pieces of music, then you go and you try and create that. And then you try and build some sort of ridiculous plot line to somehow attach them all. And I think we managed to do that. I think ridiculous is a great word for it. I think you have to understand much like you said with scrubs and with psych and with 
other shows that have done musical episodes. You have to recognize the ridiculousness of it. And as long as you play into that and you recognize how dumb it is and how ridiculous it all is, the viewer will come along with you. The listener will come along with you. The consumer of the medium will come along with you if you're willing to acknowledge the ridiculousness of the situation. And so that's kind of what Mrs. Nolan and I were trying to do. And I think we did a good job of it. I would agree. And just to echo Justin's point, uh, I, I really wasn't sure what to expect when I press played. And as the music was flowing, I definitely recognized the plot line of the the songs and how it kind of all folded together. And it was actually very well written in my in my personal opinion. And it's such a nice change of pace, especially, you know, dealing with such a weird week that we just have had. So I guess that's a good transition to dive into some Bills related news. But once again, top notch episode and if you haven't checked it out you need to go check out the bruce exclusive and the episode musical episode it's just fantastic i appreciate that guys i appreciate it a lot it, like you said it was something that i think a lot of us needed at that specific time mm-hmm. um because of the stuff that we're going to talk about right now yeah so without further ado let's get into some bills related news uh we'll start with the first one and I guess there was an incident with a fan that got in Cody Ford's mention via Twitter. And I'm not sure about the full scope of the situation because it looks like the tweet was deleted or, you know, I'm not really social media savvy when it comes to Twitter. So I, I couldn't find it. However, a Twitter user did screenshot uh the page replying or stating that Cody Ford was a coward for blocking him. And to this, I I just don't know what that guy was trying to accomplish by calling Cody Ford a coward or just harassing him via Twitter. You know, sure. People, I don't know. It's just like people, you know, I'd like to like haggle people. And I, I don't understand why, but I think Cody Ford needs to understand as a public figure that this kind of comes with the fame and maybe he reacted a little stronger than he should have. I, I don't really know. It's it's I don't, I don't really know how to feel about this, guys. What about you? Bruce, I'll let you take the lead on this one. So for me, the thing that is interesting about these conversations is what was the end game here exactly that you were going for when you decided to tag Cody Ford in the tweet to begin with? So I mentioned on Twitter when this happened, I put up a funny meme of two people shaking hands and I said the two sides of the handshake were critiquing players and tagging them yourself and then tagging them when someone else is critiquing them. And then the middle handshake was things you should stop doing. Mm. And I think what we what we think we're doing sometimes is what we think we're doing is not talking behind their back. That's what people think we're doing. What they think is, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to talk behind his back. I'm going to say it to his face. That's what they think. What they're actually doing is they're searching and they're fishing for a response. Mm -hmm. And so if your end game is to get them to respond, it's okay. 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 So you tagged Cody Ford and you called him the most disappointing part of the Brandon Bean era. And then he responded. Great. Okay. Now what? That's always my answer to these people. Okay. Now what? Congratulations. You got your response. Now what? Were you moving the conversation forward? 
Were you providing a public benefit? What is the point of what exactly is that you're doing? Like, what, what are you doing? Is, is there some sort of greater good that you are functioning at all? Because I don't see it. So if you can explain to me the greater good, then I'll listen. But reality, the reason why we tag it is not because we think we're being intellectually honest. They will use that as an excuse. They will say, well, I'm tagging this player because I don't want to talk behind his back, right? I, if we're going to say something, let's say it to his face, right? That was the, the phrase that was used, right? We'll say it to their face. Okay, that's not why you're doing it. You are using that as an excuse as to why you're doing it, but you're fishing for a response. That's what you're doing. So then when you get the response, okay, are, are you cool now? Like, are you happy now? Like, now what? And that's always the question that I pose is really now what? Because we don't really do a good job in terms of social media of thinking about end games because social media is by its very nature, stream of consciousness based. That's what it is. It's all stream of consciousness. I thought this thing, so I said this thing. I didn't really ever stop to think about why I was saying the thing, what I was trying to accomplish or what I was doing by saying the thing. I just said it. It's simply the id of your brain. That's all it is. It's just id. Hmm. It's just your absolute id flowing through you. And as we all know from any sort of psychological study, that's not necessarily a good thing if you are controlled by your id. So for me, it's simply a question of, what are you trying to accomplish? And is this action that you're doing pushing you forward toward that accomplishment? Because if the accomplishment is simply getting a reaction, then I would argue that's a bad accomplishment to be shooting for, which of course begs the question, why do you do it? So as a general rule, we should just stop doing that. We should just stop tagging players because really you, you might say you're doing it for intellectual honesty purposes, but you're lying. You're not doing it for that purpose. You're trying to get a reaction. And then when you get the reaction that you were actually trying to get, then you're all like, whoa, guys, what's the big deal? Why is everyone all over my back? Mm -hmm. What did you think was going to happen? So either, either A, you didn't have a plan before you did this, or B, you had a plan and it sucked. Those are your two options. <laughs> so you can live with either one of those options. Either you didn't think it through or you thought it through and you thinking it through was terrible. So just stop doing that. Just stop for the love of all that is holy and sacred. Stop tagging players in tweets. Justin? Do I have to follow that up? Because he pretty much uh, covered my bases but said it better. <laughs> um, but, yeah, kind of the, the same, same idea for me there is, you know, the players being public figures and being out there, they open themselves up to criticism. Um, so I kind of feel like, the post he got he got dragged for for doing it and i don't really have any problem with him saying that cody ford's been a disappointment uh that's something i feel like i've said on this on one of our shows um but the, the whole idea of tagging the player like it, it just makes no sense to me if you want to put it out there for you know your your friends and followers and whatever and use it that way to start a discussion on like Will he come around? Um, do you think he's a disappointment? Whatever. Um, but but tagging the player, it's it's to to Bruce's point, it's it's not going to accomplish anything. It's it's there's no end game to it. So, right. Well, I I personally think that this Twitter user didn't actually think Cody Four was going to reply to him. So when he did, 
I just think he was like, oh, Oops. what do I do now? <laughs> and I guess this is a Rochester-based uh, Twitter page. And we're, Bruce, I don't know if you know this, but Justin and I live in Rochester. And I'm going to say this publicly for everyone. This Twitter user is not the CEO of Rochesterian Bills fans. So I'm upset because I live here and he does not represent me. <laughs> the good news is I don't think anybody anybody looked at him and went, you know, he's speaking on behalf of Rochester. They just said, man, this guy's a schmuck. Yeah. That's what they thought. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and, and, and to your point, Justin, it's not about saying Cody Ford's a disappointment. That's not what it is. I'll never forget after the Thanksgiving Day game against the oh. Dallas Cowboys. I actually tweeted out the day after. I was like, hey, you know, guys, it's a great game and everything. Um, we didn't even talk about Cody Ford. I said, I, I don't think he, he played overly well. And there were people who jumped into my mentions telling me to go F myself because how dare I say something that wasn't crazy positive after such a big win. And, I, you know, I, I blocked him and move on because I, I don't have time for it. But the fact of the matter is that no one has a problem with critiques done in good faith. This is really a conversation about tagging players. That's really what this conversation is about. Because quite frankly, I don't think that he would have suffered even slightly the backlash if he would have said it and Cody Ford would have searched his name out and found it. This is the way it is. Now, there's always going to be a subsection of Bill's Mafia that simply doesn't want to hear anything that isn't glowing praise. When Jordan Phillips was a pending free agent, I wrote an article for buffalorumblings.com, an opinion piece saying, I don't think I would resign him for the contract that I think he's going to get on the open market. Jordan Phillips himself decided to come into the mentions and talk about how my take was hot, hot garbage. And then, of course, I was bombarded by people who were like, don't listen to this guy, Jordan. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not even a real Bills fan. Okay, first off, let's define what real Bills fan actually means because apparently you are the governing body on that. So let me go to you, Matt123-4796. Let's make sure that you, Twitter user with username and letters and numbers, let's make sure that you are the governing body on what fandom is. But also, this is not about that. This is not about saying something, having the audacity to say something that wasn't glowing praise about Cody Ford, because quite frankly, uh, have we seen a stretch of play from Cody Ford that has been really good? Like ever? No, I don't think it's, I don't think it's sad to say he was a disappointment. I don't think that's a bad thing. This is a discussion about tagging players. And the reason it became a discussion about tagging players is because Cody Ford responded. But Cody Ford responded because you tagged him. So, <laughs> you know. so stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you expect? <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to the, the next Twitter news, I suppose. And that has to do with, I guess, the debate that Jerry Hughes and Cole Beasley had. And, you know, this is something I didn't really want to see. And, ended fairly well in my opinion but it was revolved around the vaccine regulations of the nfl which i you know i we're not personally going to get into just because we're not going to do that <laughs> and again as we stated in the past uh mainly justin and I, I i i can't speak for bruce he's his own person 
but we have stated in the past that we talk about sports and not bureaucratic issues, so we're, we don't want to revolve our episode around that. And we're not here to tell you what to do. I just want the players to be safe and healthy and for us to bring home that Lombardi trophy, you know? So you hate to see teammates argue publicly at that on Twitter, but at the end of the day, Hughes, as I mentioned, ended on a high note stating that he's calling Cole Beasley his boy, telling him he's not saying he's right or wrong. They wants to finish what they started last year and have and having the mafia and verified fans <laughs> um, backing them up, backing them up uh, all the way up to the top. And Bruce, I'm gonna quote your colleague here, Anthony Marino, big fan of him, but his most recent podcast, and he went on a little bit of rant, and I love it. You can have a debate with a friend, and I think that's important to keep in mind when thinking about this issue. You know, let's let's look forward and look past this week into more pressing issues. Preseason, CB2 battle, Rousseau's development, Allen, Diggs, preseason again, like, you know, and the season's coming up. It's less than 48 days away, according to this recording, so... We, we got big things on the horizon. We got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that the big takeaway for me from this conversation is that you have to understand that this conversation is happening in locker rooms across the NFL right now. It just happened mm -hmm. to happen on Twitter. And mind you, it wasn't even an argument. I mean, you'll read the thing. It was a, was a very reasonable discussion. Like People were like, oh, man, there's a Twitter beef. I'm like, please, people, do you guys know what beef even is? That is a very mild disagreement. Like, have we reached the point now in a in our our constant search and thirst for drama that we'll take that and turn it into like a locker room issue? Like, I mean, did you if you read a script that was written out that looked like that, you would consider it a maybe slightly robust dialogue? Like that's it. That's as far as you would consider it. It wasn't even an argument at that point. So this is just, it's under a microscope because of what's going on in the NFL mm -hmm. right now. And we're, we just had, you know, new CBA regulations when it comes to uh, protocols and things like that. And I read through it and I was like, um, okay, whatever. I, I understand that it, it's a, it's a hot button issue. And specifically there's national media is going to blow it up for sure. And that's just part of what they do. But are you trying to tell me that same conversation and even more robust versions of that conversation is not happening in every single locker room across the entire NFL? Do we think this is a uniquely Buffalo Bills issue? Because if we do, I would really question your ability to speak with any sort of perspective. Because if you think somehow that there's nobody in the NFL who shares Cole Beasley's opinion outside of Buffalo, New York, I just, I don't know what to tell you guys that there's people all over that. I mean, if you think that there can be 40% of Twitter or whatever percentage of Twitter who thinks exactly like that, and you somehow think none of those people are in the NFL, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, the NFL is made of all shapes and sizes, and that's one of the unique things about an NFL locker room is how large it is. And because of how large it is, you get all sorts of people in an NFL locker room. So this is happening all over the place. So as far as I'm concerned, it's probably not even an issue. And I just, I get that people need things to talk about but for me i i i don't it doesn't even it doesn't even move the needle for me justin 
I, I kind of agree with that sentiment of, I've been saying it for, what is it, going on weeks, months, since, yeah. you know, Cole Beasley's first tweets about any of this, probably about weeks. Um, but, I mean, this is the type of thing that the the media gets a hold of and, Run you know, they're it. trying to fill their, their news cycle in the, the slow time of the summer. I think, I feel like we're all just holding on to training camp and it's right around the corner. And by the time we get there and we start looking at these other battles, this is going to be so in the rear view. Um, I mean, I would rather see them hashing out their debates, you know, texting each other or giving a phone call or having a team meeting or whatever. But um, this is what happened. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, the, the end of it, you have a great team leader in Jerry Hughes that puts it out there when you have Bill's Mafia Twitter going crazy about cutting him and whatnot. And he's like, hey, man, you're my brother. I love you. And then you saw it with um, Kenzie popped in there. Um, I saw it. I saw uh, Stefan Diggs had his uh, accountability availability tweet. And I was reading through the comments there. And somebody was saying that he was taking a shot at, um, at Cole. And he responded to that like immediately saying like, I'm not talking about anybody but myself right now. Don't try to turn me against my brother. Hmm. So, you know, what's kind of getting blown up as, oh, this is going to wreck the Bills locker room. I feel like it's just kind of trying to create a story right now to, to fill the news cycle. And, and once we get back to actually playing football, it's, it's going to kind of transition out of it. Well said. And moving on, there's new rules in regards to COVID and game checks. So I, I guess that if your team has an outbreak and you have to forfeit a game, nobody gets played, including the opposing team. And this is important. And I, I'm really thinking about the, you know, the minimal contract people or, you know, the undrafted free agents and stuff like that, because I mean, yeah, I mean, they're still going to be fine because they're getting paid millions of dollars, more money than I'll, I'll make in, you know, like a year for sure, years. But that, that those game checks mean something to some, more players than others. So that that's just that that's just a real interesting rule to me. I'll go I'll go first on this one because it's kind of a quick answer for me. Um, first and foremost, this would have been a nice rule last year when. Uh, we had to go into that really weird situation with Tennessee and oh my god they were <laughs> practice they they were practicing outside the facility all that and then we end up playing two what was it Tuesday at 5 you know something it, like that it would have been a nice rule for that situation um, but all in all i'm just really hopeful we made it through the season pretty well last year considering mm-hmm. i'm just kind of hoping that the NFL can build on that and that it doesn't come to this situation. Because um, when you start talking about a game being forfeited and it's going towards playoff seating and all that, then you're talking about, you know, the Bills get over the hump this year and win a Super Bowl, for instance. And now we're like, well, one of the teams that should have been in the playoffs had uh, had a forfeited loss. So now there's an asterisk on any success of the season. So I'm really just hoping that we can make it through all the games. 
For me, it's a matter of how flexible is the NFL going to be this year versus last year? Because last year, they managed to get all the games in. So none of the games mm -hmm. would have fallen under this particular jurisdiction last year because they didn't end up having to cancel any of the games. Now, they had a lot of movement that happened, but none of them actually got canceled. So my question really is, is the NFL going to be as flexible this year or are they going to be a little bit more stringent when it moves toward, you know what, we, we've had enough, we're forfeiting this game. That's really the question because if the NFL managed to fit in all the games last year, then there's probably a fair amount of optimism they'd be able to fit in all the games this year. But the real question is, are they going to be as flexible? And that we don't know about. There's nothing, you know, there's no way for us to know that they're going to be as flexible as they were last year in being able to fit all the games in. So my big takeaway is, okay, we know that the end game looks different because there will be a forfeiture. But what we don't know, number one, we don't know what defines the word outbreak. What if both teams have a couple? We did, that wasn't, hasn't been defined. And also, we don't know how flexible the NFL is going to be this year versus last year. So it's all this weird, gray vagueness. And I think that there was an attempt to provide some clarity here. And I think, quite frankly, just got more questions. So you just got to kind of figure it out as you go along. Yeah. And just to kind of echo both of your points here, the NFL proved last year that, well, you know, I, I kind of think about this in terms of how I transition from working in like my work setting, going in every day, and now I'm working from home. And a lot of people, a lot of people who are in the same boat as me have proven that they can work from home. So we might be at that point where like, okay, we can, well, we clearly can do this if we need to. And I think the NFL showed last year, like, all right, the worst case scenario was what? That uh, Broncos game where like a practice squad quarterback or wide receiver played. Like, it's doable. It's not ideal, but it's definitely doable. Anyways, moving on to the last bit. Uh, Justin, I know you're you're going to be bummed about this, but I Steven Nelson, Eagles, yep. scooped him up. <laughs> On a very, and, very reasonable contract, too. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, that... I don't know. I don't know, Bruce. I don't know how you feel about that, too, because I know you're a big uh, CB2 kind of fan, heard, and you wanted them to take the first round pick, if I'm not mistaken. I heard Bruce hates cornerbacks. Yeah, you know, that's that's the book on me. The book oh, on me is I don't even book. care about coverage. You know, pass rush will cover up all the other stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah. Couldn't even make it through the no, sentence. I couldn't even, couldn't even do it with a straight face. Uh, not... It's one of those scenarios for me where I look at the Nelson contract and go, yeah, I absolutely would have signed him for that. Um, but the fact of the matter is I, I had a discussion with uh, Jay Spence, the King and Joe Miller. We were having a discussion in, uh, in messages about this. And I said, I would be floored if they signed Steven Nelson. And this was a couple of days ago when he was all being cryptic with his, with his tweets and like, oh man, is this the one? Is it, is this, is this the bills? Every time anyone has a cryptic tweet, it's oh, it's the, the, the bills, bills, bills. <laughs> it's like the, it's a little bit like the finding Nemo seagulls that are always like mine, 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 bills, mine, bills, mine, bills. mine, bills, 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 bills. <laughs> and so for me, I was like, I, I'm just, I'm telling you right now, I would be floored if it was 
Steven Nelson to the Bills. And they were like, oh, really? I was like, no. Brandon Bean has shown us. Sean McDermott has shown us. No matter how many times they keep beating us over the head with, no, no, we like this guys we have at CB. People like me keep going, no, no, please. I don't want it to be true. It doesn't matter what you want, Bruce. Nobody cares what you want, Bruce. They're fine with the players they have at cornerback. So I'm not going to do it again. I tell myself every year, this is the year I'm not going to mock a cornerback high to the Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. And then every year I get sucked back in and I go, nope, I'm going to do it. This year I mocked a cornerback to the Bills in the second round. Dumb, 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 Bruce. I'm not going to do it again. They will. You can have the CB2 job when you pry it from Levi Wallace's cold, dead hands. That's the way this works. So until they see somebody, until I see somebody else roll out there, I'm going to assume it's Levi Wallace. Yeah, I I got sucked into the same trap. I over and over again. I was looking at coverage, and uh, I'm personally also a, a coverage over pass rush guy. Um, not as aggressively passionate about it as as Bruce, but yeah, I when Steven Nelson's been sitting out there that long, just mm-hmm. just that little bit of extra athleticism, just what I feel like it could unlock on the opposite side of Trey White, um, the options you'd have with your defense. Um, just just those little extra wrinkles, I think it could really make the team more dynamic. But same Bruce, they don't care about my opinion. So hopefully the pass rush can get home in that 2.5 seconds uh, so the coverage doesn't have to hold up as long. Right. Well, hopefully in this upcoming draft they they take a cornerback to to give you guys something <laughs> Throw you guys a bone. i'll mock it for you guys i'm not gonna How do it I, I refuse it if you see it virtually slap me just find virtually slap no bruce no no don't do it bad dog bad bruce don't gonna, do it i was gonna i was gonna say what's the vegas odds on you know come come february next year uh bruce is mocking a cornerback to the bills in the first or second super round. high Super high. <laughs> Very high. I'm going to fall off the wagon. I look forward to virtually slapping you. Well, you're, you're true to your roots, and I, I look forward to virtually slapping you too. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the main meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, they say you can't compare apples to oranges, but in this episode, we're going to make an exception. The word association episode is going to be a round robin style game where one of us will start by providing a noun. So, yes, we can use names or adjectives to kick things off. From there, the next person up will give us the first thing that comes to their mind in regards to the bills. And we'll have like a little discussion. And then the next person will go until, you know, it gets back to the original person. So, for example, I could start off with the word bust and I would associate it with Zay Jones. We have a talk. Then Justin follows up, and he could say EJ Manuel. And then Bruce talks about his best bud, Maven. Uh, we kicked off the Bruce uh, Bruce musical. So Aaron Maven. Aaron Maven. Yeah, that's your that's your boy. Why, why do you have to do that to me, man? Like, it, you know what it is? You're trying to get me to bust out into a song right here on your podcast. That's what's happening. But there's I don't have a magical Bruce, chicken so wing, guys. Happy. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I was going to ask you this. We're it, we're gonna we're gonna do an outro with one of your songs. That's how That's much what I'm I like talking that, about. I appreciate that. that. Thank you. 
We're not even going to tell you which one it is. We're just going to plop it on there. Word. Okay. All right. So um, each of us will provide four or five words and uh, take it from there. Any questions? No, I'm good. Take All right. Off, well, Andrew. I'll, I'll start. I'm going to use overrated. And I'm going to say Josh Allen. And I'm not saying that he is overrated. However, there's been so much chatter from people who aren't Bills fans because the world isn't in a vacuum in Buffalo, New York, as Bruce had alluded to. Uh, and people are saying, like, it's a flash in the pan. He can't recreate what he did. He didn't have fans screaming in his ears. He's got the yips. And I'm here to say I don't believe it. We have what? All the starters coming back, except we swapped John Brown out for um, Emmanuel Sanders, who's arguably a better wide receiver than John Brown, mainly for his availability and route running skills. Guys, give me some affirmation here. I'm with you. I, I don't think that I think that the assumption is that 2019 Josh Allen is coming back. That's what people think they're going to see. And I don't think that's true i think that one of the things that they use as an example it's really funny you know last year going into the year josh allen was blake bortles and now he's carson wentz that's the comparisons that you get from people who are detracting from josh allen before it was well he's blake bortles this year it's carson wentz you know the i, I really look forward to the well it's okay he's just aaron Rodgers. Next year, mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to that <laughs> based on the trajectory <laughs> that we're at next offseason. We'll be like, well, he's just Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's only going to win one ring. You know, mm -hmm. he's oh bummer. He's Peyton Manning. He's kind of he's going to play second fiddle to in the AFC to a, 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 a quarterback who's better than him. And they're going to say it's the Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes is Peyton Manning, Tom Brady or whatever. Oh, bummer. Josh Allen only ends up being Peyton Manning. Oh, that'd be. Horrible, yeah. tragic. So for me, I, I, I don't think 2019 Josh Allen's coming back. And the reason that is, is because I think that you ignore why Carson Wentz was good in 19, sorry, good in 17, when you think about 2019 Josh Allen coming back again. I think that really when you compare Josh Allen to Carson Wentz and you say, well, he had an MVP quality season and then he fell backwards, right? You didn't really dive into... Carson Wentz's peak season, did you? Because Carson Wentz's peak season, actually qualitatively speaking, looked absolutely nothing like Josh Allen's. So it, the second you tell me that Josh Allen 2020 was just Carson Wentz 2017, right? Uh, I know you weren't watching. The second you say that, I know you weren't watching. Carson Wentz was a bomber in 2017 like that his peak season Carson Wentz was the mad bomber that's what he was like watch qualitatively the reasons why he was so good there was a lot of real significant vertical throws that are made with very very significant amounts of leverage I mean it was a lot of third and longs and a lot of really spectacular down the field throws Josh Allen was really efficient in 2000 and 20. When you look at the average depth of target, when you look at the completion percentage, when you look at things like that, qualitatively, it wasn't even the same style of quarterback play. The only reason they say that is because they think it was an outlier. That's it. So basically, they're just running out of things to say at this point. 
Josh Allen's 2020 gets him the MVP award if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go out of his mind. It's that simple. Now, I know that your natural counter response to that is going to be, well, Carson Wentz would have won the MVP too if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. And maybe that's true. But qualitatively, they weren't even the same type of season. So you can say all you want about it being an outlier, but that's really all you have. All you have at this point is, I think it's an outlier. That's all you have. I think it's an outlier. That's all you can say about Josh Allen. And we'll find out, obviously, but qualitatively, it's not even the same type of season as it was for Carson Wentz. So I'm not saying that Josh Allen will be as good in 2021 as he was in 2020, because 2020 was really good, but he could regress and still be a top five quarterback. That's how good 2020 was. So for me, I'm not saying he's going to be the exact same player he was in 2020 and 2021. He could be better. He could be worse. But the Carson Wentz outlier just proves to me that the only thing you have to say is, well, he'll never be that good again. To which I would respond, he doesn't have to be that good again. He just has to be in that general vicinity. So what do you got now? Right. Yeah. And to kind of allude back to the point you made there, I don't think we'll ever see Josh Allen go back to 2019 Josh Allen. And I also don't think that, I think there's a good chance we don't see 2020 Josh Allen again. Um, before you put out the musical, I, I the episode I was about to be glowing about was um, the Josh Allen regression episode you put out. If anybody hasn't listened to it, go back and check it out. Um, but there's so much that you put into that episode that was kind of thoughts I had, but I don't always, you know, convey it as, as, as well as you did on that full episode. Um, but Josh Allen's 2020 season was just bananas, and especially for like what we've seen as Bills fans in quarterback purgatory for the last 20 years. It, like it was just absurd. Um, so now... I feel like with the rest of the team kind of catching up and, you know, figuring out the little wrinkles that make us play a little bit better in just different areas as a team, you just get a little bit better from the defense, a little bit more from the run game. And all of a sudden you have a game that, you know, last year you were down 14 to 20 with four minutes left. And, you know, we have to do this four minute drill to go win the game that same game this year could look like, you know, we're up 20 to 14 with four minutes left and we're just finishing out the game with the defense. Um, so the, the raw statistics on it, I, I think it's likely that looking at that alone, I think we see a regression from him this year, but it's also conceivable that we see him take an, not the same kind of leap that he had, but, if he even took like a quarter step ahead from last season, I mean, we're, we're talking that's an MVP season. That's a 50 touchdown season. Uh, I just think realistically, we don't see those kind of numbers because the team gets a little bit more balanced. Yeah. That, that'd be, that'd be real cool. <laughs> if he took a quarter step forward. Yeah. Just a little. All right. Who's next? I think I'm next, right? Sure. So I'm going to, what the way I understand this is I'm going to say what uh, come, what comes to my mind when I say, hear the word overrated, correct? Correct. All right. So the first thing that popped in my mind was John Feliciano. Hmm. Um, 
I was completely on board with letting John Feliciano walk this year. I, I do think he provides a an edge and a grit on the offensive line. But as far as the actual pass blocking goes, I think he's a below average pass blocker. I think he's a completely reasonable run blocker. But given to the fact that the league is trending toward passing more, I don't think that that's as valuable of a skill run blocking as pass blocking is. I think it's important. It's good. You know, it's good to be good at things. So I always want to have people who are good at everything, but I was, I was okay with the contract. They signed him. I was glad it wasn't what the spot track contract was projected, which was $8 million a year. I thought that was a, a vast overpayment for John Feliciano. I'm glad to see that you could potentially get an interior swing lineman out of John Feliciano. If you found a player who was better suited at right guard and you wanted to put him there, it wouldn't be a complete waste of assets to be able to put John Feliciano as a swing interior lineman. I think they like John Feliciano. I think there's a possibility that he could be the starting center next year based on the way that things have been trending with this organization and Mitch Morse. And I think that when it comes to John Feliciano and you looking at my pending free agents, for me, it was Daryl Williams, Matt Milano, ginormous gap John Feliciano as far as order of prioritization when it comes to re-signing I'm glad they re-signed Matt Milano and I'm glad they re-signed Darrell Williams when they re-signed John Feliciano I was like okay you know that's fine whatever it's fine but I think that our assumption that that spot is fine like oh well we have John Feliciano yeah we're good there I I still think it's a very upgradable spot at right guard I was actually kind of hoping that they might pick a, an interior lineman early in the draft to be able to do that. But when my first thing that came to mind when you said it was John Feliciano, just because I think that Bill's fans, I think, value him as a, as a strong member of a starting offensive line more than I do. Yeah, yeah uh, Feliciano, for me, I, I think with the team, I think he brings some of that leadership and and the grit and the tenacity to the team. And I think that's part of why he's he's so loved. You know, he's a locker room guy, right? Um, but kind of watching him play, I think it's pretty obvious that that's an, an upgradable position. Um, I think I actually had, in, in the hot take episode we did, I actually kind of played out a scenario where it was kind of between him and Cody Ford and one of them ending up getting benched and it was kind of, you know, taking this, this stretch reach that we see something pretty wild in Spencer Brown throughout the training camp preseason process. And, you know, maybe it doesn't happen week one, um, but the talent's there that we can't ignore. He comes along a little faster than we anticipate. And maybe we see him take a tackle spot and be able to kick uh, Daryl Williams into a guard spot, which he used to play. Um, so I, I think Feliciano is the type of guy that, yeah, he was a little bit hampered by the injury last year. So, you know, we got to kind of see how they all play together. Um, but he's definitely a guy that's going to be having a lot of eyeballs from me on, on watching game tape. Yeah. And I mean, you guys pretty much covered, covered it all. So I'll try to deviate as best as I can here. I think, when I think of John Feliciano, I think of his versatility on the interior offensive line. You mentioned swing guard, and he can play center. And Bruce forecasted that he could possibly replace uh, Mitch Morris down down the line, which would be, you know, it it'd be a good 
use of resources one pay one person to potentially fill three spots I, that's why i think the bills love a player like ryan bates and why they sign people in the past like spencer long because they could do that stuff however when you bring in these type of players you can't expect them to be elite or above average at everything they do because that's not who they are. They're jack of all trades, master of none. And if you think Cody, or I'm sorry, if you think John Feliciano is like an elite, you know, pass blocking guard, watch, watch those chief games. <laughs> look, look how he held, uh, holds up against an elite defensive tackle in Chris Jones. It it doesn't go well for anyone actually who matched up with him. So I I agree with you guys. It's just it's just not a he's 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 not that good. And that's okay. We we can have criticism on of these players. As long as we don't tag them in Twitter. Yes. Never. Yes, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bruce, you're up. Okay. All right, so we did overrated, and we went all around. So now it's Justin's turn to overrated, right? I did overrated. I'll swing us to the next topic, or the next oh, word. Okay. So my mine was sleeper, and this is kind of like a, a player that you might not necessarily be a household name that you'd expect to make an impact next year. Um, I want Harrison Phillips here. Um, Harrison Phillips for me is also kind of in the category of a roster bubble guy. And, and I'm that high on him and that low on him at the same time. I think it kind of depends on, on what he does this training camp. Uh, I think there was some flashes in his rookie year. Obviously he had the injuries, um, looked pretty suspect last year and then kind of started coming on a little bit again towards the end of the season. Um, so for me, this is, you know, stars getting up there in age. We don't really have much at one technique on the roster. So like could Harrison Phillips really show out this year and solidify that job. Um, but also if he, I look at, you know, kind of two sides to it of, if he has a great year and now he's up for a contract, are we kind of looking at the Jordan Phillips kind of situation again, where it's, are we willing to pay more than another team for one year of production? Um, so that's my pick for a, a sleeper to make an impact this year. Hmm. Yeah. I think if, if Harrison Phillips is going to prove that he has the opportunity to stick around on this team next year, I think this is the year to do it because you know, Harrison Phillips thus far, you know, is a third round pick. I don't think you've looked at Harrison Phillips and thought to yourself, that's a guy who can hold down the one tech spot by himself moving forward. I feel comfortable with that. No one has thought that thus far about Harrison Phillips, who has watched him play and thought, you know what? Yeah, there's our future one tech right there. One of the things I said in this offseason a couple of times was I think that one tech defensive tackle is the weakest room in the entire team. Now, I understand that one tech defensive tackle is not intrinsically its own room. I get that. We're just speaking metaphorically. But if Star Latule, if he comes back and plays the way he played in 2019, we have one 
reasonable starting one tech. That's it. Because thus far, I don't think you would look at Harrison Phillips and thought, yeah, he's a reasonable starting one tech. He had flashes where he, I thought he was starting to come along, but then he got hurt again. So I think that if you have a chance to have a second starting caliber one tech on the roster, now is the time for Harrison Phillips to prove it. This year is the time for him to prove it. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good sleeper pick. I think my sleeper pick is FA Obada. FA Obada for me is the sleeper pick. I actually, there's a lot of people bumping him off the roster, and I'm just not willing to get there yet. People forget that FA Obada, if he was on the Bills last year, would have led this team in sacks and was a part-time player. So, and is familiar with Eric Washington. So I don't think the I don't think the transition is going to be as significant as it was for some other players. And so for me, there's a chance FA Obada could be what I thought I was going to get from Quentin Jefferson last year. So for me, F.A. Obada is the, gets the sleeper label. Right. And I, I guess I'll comment on both of yours. So when it comes to Harrison Phillips, I want him to be good. And I really do. But I I just don't know if he can live up to that one tech. I mean, his both of his knees exploded, if I'm not mistaken, with ACL injuries. And that that's a tough injury to come back from. And he's he's done it once. He's done it twice. But we saw the drop off. And yeah, he was recovering from it. But I mean, eventually the body just kind of gives out and there's not it doesn't it's not as explosive anymore. And I think the Bills really do like Harrison Phillips, too. I mean, you look at all those social media posts and, you know, like he's the next Kyle Williams. Well, we, we know he's not. He's not playing in that Kyle Williams role. He's playing in the Starletule role, and it's going eh right now at best. The The dream would be for him to take over Star's job. And when it comes to F.A. Obada, I love that pick, and I love that, love his backstory, and he is just so lengthy, Bruce. Like you want to talk about like top shelf where mama hides the cookies. You you call F A O to your house. You know that that guy and he's versatile. He he he's just and he, I'm pretty sure like his athletic score is just insane too. He's he got like ten sacks last season. Pretty young dude in general. So great sleeper pick for me. I think my sleeper pick might not be as a labeled as sleeper, but I'm going to pick Teron Johnson. And that being said, the reason why I'm saying that is because yes, I know he had the two pick sixes late in, you know, the season, but you know, remember the play before that, a lot of people were like, Oh man, Teron Johnson, not, not giving him, you know, a lot of praise. People were like, Oh, you know, he needs to get better. What are we going to do here? And there was a point where he got benched, for Cam Lewis and then Cam Lewis got hurt and then he came back in and he got a chance. So I'm, I'm trying not to have recency bias by looking at those two picks pick sixes, but I think he can build off of that. And now that he's got a little confidence to his play and I'm hoping he can stay healthy and capitalize on it. Okay. What's up next? 
All right, let's go into the third word, and that's that's you leading us off here, Bruce. Okay, so my word for some word. Now, this is important. Does it have to be Buffalo Bills Association? Like, if I if I had a word come to me that was, you know, not Buffalo Bills, is that is that cool too? Yeah, anything you want. Okay, so the word that I want to use is historic. Oh, so. The first thing comes to mind for me when I when I thought of the word historic was the 2020 Buffalo Bills season that I don't think I think we're a little bit focused on how it ended in the AFC Championship game without realizing that that was the best offense the Buffalo Bills have ever seen ever. Let, let me say that again. That was the best offense the Buffalo Bills have ever had ever. There has never been an offense that the Buffalo Bills have put out on the field that was better than what we saw in 2020. What I, I don't feel like we're talking about this enough because we're too worried about how do we get over the hump and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. First off, we don't even know we're going to be playing the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs could not make the playoffs this year. They get bumped in the wild card round. We don't know. This idea you're going to spend your entire offseason focused on one game and one team and forget that what we just saw is something we've never seen before ever. That's special to me. Historic is something that, you know, uh, Andy Bernard said it in the office. He said, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you left them. Because one of the best things you can possibly do to find contentment in life is to be grateful and happy in the moment you're in. And I understand that football players are trained for next game, next man up, next. The word next is very popular in football vernacular, and it trickles through to the fans. We worry about the next game, the next season, getting over the next hump. Tom Brady says, what's your favorite ring? The next one. The word next is ingratiated in our culture, our vernacular. It comes out of us every second of every day when we talk about football. But we don't really spend a lot of time just being grateful and just being happy and just appreciating the crap that's right in front of our faces. And what we just saw was historic for the Buffalo Bills fans. That was, as said before, an MVP caliber year from a quarterback and the best offense the Buffalo Bills have ever seen. So for me, you can tie the word historic in there. You can tie the word next in there. You can tie the word gratitude in there. You could tie grateful. You could try whatever it is you want. Mindfulness. We could do yoga. We can go to meditation style words. I can do all sorts of weird poses. We can namaste the crap out of this. But the important thing is that when I think historic, I think of something we already saw. And I think of the fact that we probably didn't spend enough time really appreciating it. Justin? Yeah, I, I love that for historic. I have um, I have a whole one of mine here was off season uh, that we can pretty much skip now. Um, it's conversations I've had all over the place where people are like, "What are we going to do to knock off the Chiefs next year?" Blah blah blah, and I, and I'm always kind of like, I feel like especially for like my age range is like all of our formative years of football were just mediocre teams at best and it's like we we got to we got to this 
one year of success and we were on the doorstep of the Super Bowl and now it's just assumed that next year we're going to be in the Super Bowl. And the Buffalo Bills, as well as 31 other teams next year, this year rather, are starting out 0-0. Zero and zero. And there's no playoff spots that are guaranteed. There's no injury luck guaranteed. There, there's nothing. And to Bruce's point, yeah, we can spend all the time we want on how are we going to knock off the Chiefs. No idea if, what the Chiefs are going to do this year. You know, Mahomes could go out week one and they could win two games. Um, so for me, I love the idea of kind of living in the moment and just enjoying what we had. I, I remember going back to watching the AFC Championship game. And for me, I kind of felt a little empty after that game in the moment. But it didn't really, it didn't last as long as I thought it would. It didn't, you know, just burn in the pit of my stomach as long as I thought it would. Because it was kind of just like, I started rewatching games from the season. I started watching highlight tapes and all that. And it was just, it was just a really fun, awesome season. Um, so historic for me, I'm going to go with the, the 501 points that the Bills scored last year and kind of with the, with the expectation that that was the highest mark for a very long time. And I don't really expect it to be beaten next year, the year after I expect it to kind of stay there for a little bit. So it's kind of just echoing your point of enjoying the moment, enjoying what we have now and, and where it could go, but where it is right now. Yeah. You guys, you guys killed it. <laughs> and you got to stop going third. We got to get you in there second. <laughs> hey, I'm starting this next one off. Don't worry. But when I think of a historic, there's so many words that come into my mind when I'm thinking about the bills and you guys did it best, but I'm going to circle back to Allen specifically. I could talk about digs and how we led the season and reception and yards. I could talk about the 501 points, the, the best offense that we ever seen, but I want to talk about Allen because the first quarterback I remember actually watching as a cognitive Bills fan was Trent Edwards and like JP Lossman. That's that was that's where I started. And it's been dark. Real dark. And you know, then Tyrod came in and say say what you want about Tyrod, but I I I saw a little glimmer of light with Tyrod and I was like, oh my God, like it's been so dark before Tyrod. And then it turns out it, it was just a shadow. And then Allen comes along and he just lights the whole room up with his cannon of an arm and just this amazing season. And I, I will remember this with this quote that I said to myself right before the AFC championship game. I was like, oh my God. If the Bills win this game, this they will be in the Super Bowl. That is something I thought I would never say for at least 20 years because of the ineptitude of the front offices that we've had before Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott got here. So when I think of historic, I think of Allen and everything that came with him. 
Can I can I just throw in a little quick sidebar before we move on to sure. to Allen's cannon? Um, so his rookie year, I went to the first preseason game. I believe we were playing Carolina. I, oh, the Robert Foster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I just remember somebody that I was with wasn't like a huge football fan. They were just kind of joining the gang, whatever. And Josh Allen trotted into the game, and you know we're talking preseason. What was 10,000 people there, something like that. The crowd just erupted like like it was a playoff game. And the person I was with was like, why, why are they going so crazy? And I was like, Josh Allen. I was like, they're about to snap him the ball, and he's just about to uncork the ball as far as he can throw. And sure enough, first play, drops back, and he must have put that ball like, 60 70 yards in the air it was like five yards out of bounds and overthrew robert foster but just like i'm not saying that's the moment i knew on allen you know we we had a lot to see from after that but just to see that gumption to go out there and do it i was i was excited then but i i want a quick aside before we move on too and my quick aside is you said uh, andrew that your first cognizant memory of Buffalo Bills quarterbacking was Trent Edwards and J.P. Lossman. I would just like to point out that I am officially one billion years old. <laughs> uh, you know, I there, we have like this running joke between Justin and I where I'm like, it's old versus new when we do like our little debates and it. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know who Eric Maven is. I, I literally know right over my head uh, when i just know he sucked we're off we're <laughs> off the rails he, i gotta ask bruce bruce have you ever heard aaron maven's rap song since we went there yeah 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 i've heard it the mayhem maven yeah mayhem maven baby i've heard it it was uh yeah. it was something and that's a word for it I, anyways I can't can't say I'm, so, I'm so freaking old i can't believe it i i i, I all Andrew's a young blood. Whippersnappers in your Zoom meetings. Andrew's <laughs> young. I fall somewhere in between. All right. So the next word is going to be break, as in we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to cap off this episode with two more words here, and I'll start it off. I'm going to use returner, as in who. Who is our returner going to be? We all love Andre Roberts, and we all wish the Bills paid him to keep him around. But then again, maybe he didn't want to stay, regardless of what happened. I ask who, guys? Who's going to take this spot? Uh, I'll lead off here. Um, Andrew, uh, Andre Roberts. I want to call the Texans, offer him like a third or something. We made a mistake. Bring him back. <laughs> uh, jokes aside, um, I I think we won't know this answer until we get further into training camp. But if I had to answer right now, I'm going to say McKenzie. Um, but I also think that this is going to become a two-person job. I think um, you're looking at, McKenzie on punt returns and maybe Matt Breida doing kick returns, but that would also involve having the extra running back active on game day. Uh, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be the one roster spot that it's been. And 
if it would be that if it would be one person, I would say uh, Marquez Stevenson. Um, but I think that they were trying to give him looks at returning punts, and if there was any glowing reviews about it, it would have leaked out. Um, so I would Drain like cap. <laughs> I would like different options, but I'm gonna say uh, Mackenzie and Brita. Now I said I wasn't gonna sing, but the second you said that, the first thing that came to mind was "Hello, darkness, my old friend." <laughs> I, was, I just, I, I like you said, we got a song. I want Andre Roberts back. That's what I want. Uh, I'm not so happy bad. with uh, going into the year without an established player in that spot. So for me, I think there's a very reasonable chance that you have split duties. I think there's a very reasonable chance it's Isaiah McKenzie for punt returns and Marquez Stevenson for kick returns or some combination of the like. So for me, unless it's Powell, I think there's a reasonable chance there's separate parties for punt and kick returning. And I don't like that either because if you thought having Andre Roberts as a return man doing both punt and kick was a waste of a roster spot, let me introduce you to having two people do it. Because it's about opportunity cost, too. Can I interest you in having two people do it? One of whom you have to make sure you have act active on game days, and that limits your ability to be able to do other things. So for me, I'm, a, I'm in a scenario where unless it's Powell, I think there's probably two people. I think it's probably McKenzie and Stevenson, or it could be McKenzie and Brita, but Brita hasn't – it's not like he has – a wealth of kick return experience. I, I think if you want to find a way to get that speed on the field, but you know, your one a and one B are kind of well-established. I think there's a possibility it could be Brita. I don't know. I don't know. I will say I was one of the guys that was uh, previously upset about holding a, a whole roster spot for just a return specialist. And I was wrong. Mm. And you saw you saw the yeah. light. Is what you're saying? I did. Yes, I did. I Too that. late. Well, what was that Andy quote from the office again? I wish there was a way for you to know the you were in the good old days before you left them. Remember that, Justin. But yeah. that you know what? Tear, take down that uh, faded atlas behind you and put that quote on the wall. <laughs> I need it. And when I think of all right, hypothetical situation. Let's say you know we call up the Texans. We're like, hey, we want Roberts back. We'll give you John Feliciano. You swing that trade or what? Yeah, I would do so much more than that. I I, I would give up an unreasonable quote-unquote value pick to have Roberts back on the team. But he's only got a one-year deal. What do you call it, like a fourth-round pick? Let's do it. I think, you, Bruce? I think it's that oh, important. Sorry. I'm sorry. I paused. I think it's that important, not just for the stats and the yards and the returnability that he had, but kind of the underrated factor of his smart decision-making, um, his ability to consistently field the ball clean. And with a team like this, I don't want, uh, I don't want the chance of a fumble or anything. I don't need punt returns for touchdowns because if I give the ball to Josh Allen, we have a good chance of scoring on that drive anyways. Um, so my, my biggest priority in the return game is making sure Josh gets the ball. So maybe I should say Micah Hyde's the punt returner, but I don't want to see that either. How about you, Bruce? Do you swing that trade? I probably don't uh, just because 
I mean, what, what a mishandling of assets to let him walk and then trade for him back. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, I think the national embarrassment would be enough for me to not, not be interested. Yeah, I agree. All right, Justin, kick us off with the last word here. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a kind of a, a combo hit here. So I had an extra one, so I'm going to kind of do a two for one here and you can choose which direction you want to go with it, I guess. Um, so this most recent draft class, uh, boomer bust prospect, and you can pick either one. Um, it feels like low, fr- low hanging fruit here. Um, but I went with Rousseau for a, a boom prospect. Um, there's just, it seems such like such an easy answer because he was a first round pick and blah, blah, blah. But there's so much out there about, you know, in college, he got these, you know, give me sacks and tackles for loss because, you know, he just stayed active. Um, so much about like him needing to learn more technique and, you know, yada, yada, yada. You've seen it all. Um, but for me, I kind of like look at something like that as like part of the knock on the guy is that he kept working till the whistle was blow till the whistle blew and quote unquote lucked into some sacks. Well, that's what football is, isn't it? You know, I played Little League football, and the thing the coach yelled when we were breaking a huddle is, when do we play? And we yelled till the whistle blows. So I can't fault the guy for that. Um, do I think he's going to be lighting up quarterbacks week one? Probably not. Um, but I think there's a chance that it's not like this two, three, four-year projection that some people are putting out there that, you know, we're not going to see any returns on the investments if we ever do for years. For me, when I look at uh, boomer bust prospects, I, obviously the, the low-hanging fruit, like you said, is Rousseau. I want to go Spencer Brown. And I think that Spencer Brown is a pick that you make because you believe in traits. When you have a player like Spencer Brown, you draft him for the same reason you draft Josh Allen. You draft him for the same reason you draft Tremaine Edmonds. You draft him for the same reason you draft Dawson Knox, which is you believe in the traits and the ability of your coaching staff to maximize those traits. Spencer Brown is one of them. Dawson Knox is one of them. Tremaine Edmonds is one of them. Josh Allen is one of them. Players that have raw lump of clay potential are by definition boomer bust because if they maximize it, then their ceiling is higher than other people's ceilings because traits give you a ceiling. That's what they do. If you have limited athletic traits, if you maximize yourself, you're maximizing a smaller ceiling. So when you have someone who is really big and really athletic, the way that Spencer Brown is, you think to yourself, goodness gracious, who are some really big, really athletic tackles? You come, you think about names like Tyron Smith from the Cowboys, right? I'm not saying Spencer Brown is Tyron Smith. Please, for the love of all that is holy and sacred, do not misquote me. But what I'm saying is when you look at players who are that type of athlete at offensive tackle, you think, goodness gracious, the ceiling is completely untouchable. I mean, it's crazy high ceiling because of how athletic and big this tackle is. But at the same time, you're getting this person from a lower level of competition and you're getting them, you know, fairly early in their transition to the position and you're getting someone in the third round. And they were drafted that reason that way for a reason. I do think there's a lot of parallels actually between the Dawson Knox pick and the Spencer Brown pick. And so just like Dawson Knox is a bet on tools pick, I think Spencer Brown is a bet on tools pick. Yeah. 
Uh, you guys, you guys took uh, the one-two for me. <laughs> I, I I'm going third, but I I like the pressure here, and I'm gonna think outside of the box. I am going to pick Demar Hamlin, and the reason why I pick him is because I think this coaching regime has a good history of training their defensive back safeties. Like you, you look at Sean McDermott, he's got that long list of people like Kurt Coleman. Uh, who do we just let walk to go to the lions? Dean Marlowe. Oh boy. Dean Marlowe was, was right, right there. there. <laughs> I, that literally that soundbite is ingrained in my head from listening to the Nick and Nolan show. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously though. he, 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 has a list of developing these really pretty good six six men really if i'm gonna throw a basketball um terminology out there and i think demar hamlin can be coached up to be that valuable six man to be the six man of the year in terms of football so for that reason if you're gonna get a that valuable player in the sixth round that's a boom to me as a boom Anyways, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to do the Buffalo Bills team draft episode. Go ahead, like, comment, subscribe, and review our podcast, as well as other amazing shows that you can find on the Built in Buffalo Network. We're always looking for guests on our show, so reach out to us on our social media platforms if you're interested by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Bruce, thank you so much for being on our show. Where can the people find you? and your amazing content and everything that you do. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It's always a good time. Uh, I don't get to do as many guest spots as I'd like because I'm really busy. So sometimes people will reach out to me and be like, yeah, I, I don't know. What does the fourth week in October look like for you? And they're like, Bruce, it's July. And I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so I'm glad we got a chance to get it done. Um, I'm glad we got a chance to do it. I appreciate you guys having me. I, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce exclusive and my show, which is the Bruce exclusive drops every Thursday and Friday on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on social medias at jgods 22. And I just got to say, before we, we get off here, I've, I've kept my fanboy in check for, for a while, but Bruce, I just got to give you the props you deserve. Um, you were, you're one of my biggest inspirations um, to to wanting to, you know, go out and start a podcast and and take on this challenge. Um, and I just I love the the work that you do. You you really got me through uh, COVID nineteen there listening to the podcast during during the slow work days. So thanks for all your good work and keep going. I appreciate that, Justin. That's it's 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 amazing to me because in my head I'm still a newbie. In my head. I'm still trying to figure it out in my head. I'm still trying to make sure I know what I'm doing, make sure I'm taking the right steps. And then I have all these other podcasters who have kind of come up behind me and they have been so gracious in having me as part of their shows. And, you know, you know, we've picked each other's brains and we've been able to bounce ideas off each other and, and have people like you and to have people like Andrew tell me, Hey, you know, I'm, I listen to your show. You know, I'm thinking like, man, like I have other people who do this, who still listen to my show. You know, they're, they're not too cool. 
to listen to my show, which is just, uh, it's just amazing. I, I am, I am incredibly blessed to be able to do this and to be able to have, uh, you know, the platform and the listeners and the followers that I do. And I'm trying very, very hard to just make sure I'm taking Andy Bernard's advice because, you know, this, this is not going to last forever for me. It's not gonna last forever for any of us. And so for me, I'm just trying to enjoy this because there will be a time when I'm talking about, Hey, you remember when I used to do that podcast like that, that will happen at some point. And I'm going to think about this. Like these were the good old days. And I I'm trying to make sure that I, I enjoy them while they're here because the one thing that none of us are getting more of is time. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very cognizant of trying to be present and be excited about the things that I'm doing in that moment and not trying to constantly think about the next thing and, and having you and having you and, and, and Andrew, you know, invite me along and have me be part of this. It just, it really means a lot to me. So thanks a lot, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely. And guys, I mean, Justin, you definitely said it best. Huge, huge, huge fan of you, Bruce. And I won't say any more than Justin has already said, because I'd be pretty much just repeating them. <laughs> you're, you're great. We love all the work that you do and everything. If you're listening to this, check out the Buffalo Rumblings Network. If you're more of a reader, you know Bruce be writing those articles. Check those out as well. I'm, I'm a big reader too. Anyways, uh, you can find me on social media by searching 2 Changs, and that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So until next week, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Can you hear that music? I can't wait to show you Duffs and Barbell. You like the stadium, I would predict. Probably feel like you've been there before After hearing all the stories I've been telling you since you got picked You probably have to learn some new traditions I hope you're up for